My name is Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndy.org. That's a nonprofit online newspaper covering Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour in Connecticut's lower Naugatuck Valley. Thank you, Bad Slugs, for, for providing the music. That song is called Ride the Dinosaur. It can be heard at the beginning and end of this podcast. And speaking of this podcast, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Libsyn. I also usually upload the episode every week to facebook.com slash Valley Independent Sentinel. No guest this week. It is a solo episode. I thought I would start off by relaying some information about a public hearing scheduled in Derby for 7 p.m. Wednesday, August 19th. As of this recording, that's tomorrow night regarding proposed changes to the Derby Charter. The meeting will be held on Zoom and information about joining it can be found on the City of Derby's online meeting calendar. How do you get there, you ask? Go to derbyct.gov and click Meetings. But before I get further into charter revision, I want to relay a very important message that explains how you can help your community in these very challenging times. Because COVID-19 has changed life as we know it, and the Valley needs your help now more than ever. The region's health and human service providers face unprecedented challenges in meeting the needs of those affected by this pandemic. Some organizations are even at the risk of closing their doors. But you can make a difference right here in our community by joining with others in three ways. Give directly to nonprofits, participate in the Valley United Way annual campaign, or support the Valley Community COVID-19 Response and Recovery Fund. Please visit valleyfoundation.org to learn more. So a Charter Revision Commission in Derby has been working pretty hard over the last few months, and now they're at the point where they're recommended some changes, recommending some changes be made to the Derby Charter. And that the Derby Charter is the set of blueprints, essentially, that, uh, or that document that serves as a blueprint for Derby government. Excuse me, I don't know how to speak. The public hearing Wednesday, again, tomorrow night, as of this recording, is your chance to let your voice be heard. The aldermen and alderwomen have the ability to put the recommended changes on the November ballot. They could change the wording, they could reject some questions, we'll see how it goes. But ultimately, the voters get the final say, should it go on the ballot in November. The questions, if you're reading this on valleyindy.org, they're embedded in the story that accompanies this podcast. But let me quickly go through 10 questions right now. So these are the questions that could appear on the ballot Regarding charter changes in the city of Derby. Number one, shall the charter be amended to change the name of the Board of Aldermen, Alderwomen, to the Board of Alders? Two, shall the charter be amended to change the term of all elected officials from two years to four years? Three, shall the charter be amended to state that the office of mayor is a full-time position? Four, shall the charter be amended to change the notice publication requirement 
to require publication on the city's website and as may be required by state statute as the same may be amended from time to time. Yes, that's a confusing one. Five, shall the charter be amended to add a provision that specifically provides that a person must be a resident of the city of Derby in order to be a candidate for, hold and maintain an elected office in the city of Derby. Six, shall the charter be amended to require that all boards of the city and each officer of the city under, under whose control money is expended to be required to submit an estimated budget to the mayor on or before February 1st of each year. Seven, shall the charter be amended to require that the mayor, I'm sorry, let me start over. Seven, shall the charter be amended to require the mayor to submit a budget to the Board of Apportionment and Taxation on or before March 1st of each year and for the boat to hold its meetings and adopt the budget by April 30th of each year. Number eight, shall the charter be amended to, to delete the requirement that the city make charitable contributions? Two more. Number nine, shall the charter be amended to authorize the president of the Board of Aldermen, all the women, the chairperson on the boat, and the city treasurer to designate a substitute to serve on the Board of Assessment Appeals in their absence? Number 10, shall the charter be amended to correct typographical errors, delete unnecessary words without changing the meaning of the charter, or delete unnecessary provisions of the charter that are governed by state statute? So there you go. That is the proposed uh, questions at this point that could go on the ballot. And there's a public hearing, so, so show up there tomorrow night. Uh, now, technically, this is the second public hearing on this material. There was a public hearing held last Thursday, but I'm not certain it was noticed properly for the public to know it was happening. So again, please participate in your local government by attending this meeting and sharing your thoughts. If you want to learn more about the questions being posed, Please listen to the August 5th episode of Naval Gazing the Valley Indie podcast, during which I interviewed Alderman Rob Heider, who's the chairman of this commission. So there we go. Derby Charter. Moving on. The firefighters in Derby are playing softball, everybody. Some uh, good news there. So the Valley Firefighter Softball League played their first game on the new field at Payton Park last night, Monday, August 17th. Here are the sounds of the first pitch being thrown out by Derby Fire Department Commissioner Gary Parker. Catching the ball is former Commissioner Michael Kelleher. Here we go. Over. All right, good to hear some laughter there, right? We all need a laugh. Last month, by the way, there was some controversy in Derby when the Board of Aldermen uh, voted to deny permission to the firefighters to use the field because the city had not yet finalized its set of policies and procedures governing the new athletic complex and its use. I'm not going to go over it again. I covered the issue in a story published July 15th that you can look up. It's headline, Derby Legislators. Firefighter League can't use new softball kneel, softball field for now. But all's well that ends well, and now there's enough paperwork in place to allow the use of the field. The game last night, by the way, was between Storm Engine Company and Pegasus Hook and Ladder. I don't know what the final score was. Here, uh, to put a period on this issue, 
is Mayor Zekin, Zekin talking about when the season ends, and then you'll hear Alderman Charles Sampson, and the last voice is Alderman Ron Sill. But I'm sorry, September 3rd. We didn't set an end date, so it was Right. Because they, they may have a playoff or two afterwards if they're like doing that as good as they were when I was playing. Oh, yeah, right. Ha! All right, moving right along, still in Derby. This is a little bit of a complex issue there uh, here, so let me see if I can handle this. Uh, the Derby Planning and Zoning Commission, scheduled to meet tonight at 7 p.m. Tuesday, August 18th. And on the agenda is a discussion of an alleged zoning violation at 49 Burtville Avenue. So about a year ago, maybe for maybe maybe for about a year ago, I guess, I don't even know, someone has been sending anonymous letters and photos, lots of photos, to the local media, police, Derby government, and state liquor control, alleging that the Punishers, a pro law enforcement and first responder motorcycle club, has been using a garage at 49 Birdville Avenue as a clubhouse, including apparently a bar uh, at some point. Now, if that was or is so, it was or is a possible violation of the city's zoning rules governing that property. But complicating the matter is that one of the people who decides or makes an allegation as to whether a property is violating zoning rules is Carlo Sarmiento. He is the Derby building official and he's the Derby zoning enforcement officer. Again, the person in charge of enforcing the zoning rules. He is a member of the Punishers, uh, and publicly so. It's not like this is a, a, a secret. He, he's a member of, of this group who uh, used 49 Birdville Avenue or used 49 Birdville Avenue in some fashion. So I can tell you, based on my reporting, the situation has caused a great deal of internal strife among staffers at City Hall, among Mayor Zekin's administration, among some members of the Derby Planning and Zoning Commission, because there was this sort of appearance of a possible conflict of interest and these endless uh, anonymous tips coming in with photographs showing or allegedly showing what was going on there. Uh, those photographs could have been at least a year old, uh, I'm told. So uh, in July, the Derby Planning and Zoning Commission placed 49 Birdville Avenue on its agenda to talk about this possible zoning violation. And additionally, Derby PNZ last month scheduled an executive session to discuss Sarmiento's employment. That made this whole thing public. Mr. Sarmiento hired an attorney, Dominic Thomas. I wrote a story last month that you can look up. Uh, that meeting was then canceled three days after the meeting was supposed to happen, Sarmiento submitted a letter of resignation, but not a complete letter of resignation. He said in the letter he was no longer the zoning enforcement officer nor the city's wetland enforcement officer. Instead, according to the letter, he would remain building official, blight enforcement agent, and ADA coordinator within the city of Derby. So, very complicated situation. At last week's Board of Aldermen slash Alderwomen meeting, Andrew Backlick Mayor Zekin's chief of staff gave the public a partial update. So here's Andrew Backlick. No, I moved it to 9.5. Oh, yeah, moved it. 9.5. Building, building official, uh, 
Building official zoning and wetlands enforcement officer. Discussion. Andrew, you want to take that over? Sure. So, um, Alderman, uh, Chairman, Chairman DiMartino asked that this be put on the agenda. There really is not much report uh, this week. I, I hope to have uh, more in two weeks from today, hopefully at the subcommittee level. Uh, but essentially, um, Carlo uh, Fermanto is serving as our building official still, but is no longer serving as the CEO Wetlands Enforcement Agent. Uh, we think opportunity to gain some efficiencies in that office and in the land use process as a whole. So we're working with uh, surrounding communities uh, and a possible intermunicipal agreement to combine uh, departments and or uh, some of those roles. So. All right. So, yeah, that was Andrew Backlick talking about this uh, situation. And although Sarmiento resigned two of his titles in the city, he's still receiving his full salary of something like $74,000 a year. That was a salary amount that was estimated to me by the Derby mayor's office. And he is also still dealing with a few open zoning violations in his former capacity as the Derby ZEO. So the situation prompted questions from both First Ward, First Ward Alderwoman Barbara De Janeiro, and Second Ward Alderman Ron Sill, who's sort of focused on the fact the salary seems to be the same, even though the duties have lessened. So first up, I believe this is Ron Sill asking Andrew Backlick a question. So are we saving the money on those positions right now? We're spending the same money that we were spending and the functions are still being done. Um, but at the end of the day, there is going to be some efficiency and some saving. And like I said, we'll, we'll be ready with that hopefully in about two weeks to get you guys uh, wow. speed up. Now, you'll notice no one's addressing the potential conflict of interest here. I think, uh, you know, the executive session uh, exemption, the, the, the rules that govern when our representatives can meet behind closed doors, say they may do so if they're discussing a specific employee. They can't do it if they're just talking about a position because then they could do it all. They could do everything behind closed doors. So this gets into an interesting uh, sort of dance here at this point. So this is now going to be Barbara De Janeiro, Alderwoman Barbara De Janeiro, uh, continuing the line of questioning started by Sill. And then you'll hear Mayor Zekin weigh in, and he talks about how this could be, you know, efficiencies. Uh, again, he, here we go. Wow. Well, I have a problem with that. So that ought to be on the agenda for next month. And if it needs to go into into executive session, um, you know, the board of aldermen controls the salary, um, and if he's getting paid a set, and I'm. I'm trying to be watch what I say, but it's public mm -hmm. record what his salary is. He's being paid for all those positions that needs to come back to the board, and we need to have a discussion about that very soon. As that should not be lingering. Barbara, I, absolutely, let me tell you. And we're trying to like pull out what his positions are and looking at surrounding towns. Uh, hopefully you can come into my office and we can sit there and look at what they are paying for everything. Um, but like I said, we are going to, have to cut this out and um, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. So it is, it's, a, it's very involved. All right. So that's that 
situation there. I just wanted to uh, let last week's meeting in Derby Board of Alderman Aldermen Alder Women, which is yeah, it is a. I think I'd rather just say Alders Board of Alders uh, was a pretty busy agenda. Another thing, uh, Kim Mastriani, Derby resident, posted this on uh, Valley Indy Facebook. There was an article in the Register about the Life Touch building. I don't know if you recall, but about a month ago, the Register had an article saying. Uh, the Life Touch building on Main Street was going to come down. And you know, the words, I think the word, I don't know if that was that building, it had demo on it for the longest time. But suddenly the, the, the owner of the building was like, ah, you know, the economy is tough. I don't, uh, I'm not going to proceed with demolition, uh, which was bizarre. I've been told by various people in Derby government and the Derby Fire Department that the issue was he, the developer or the owner of the building has had to pay for fire watch. Derby has this rule where if you have a building that's ready to be demolished, it has to be essentially babysat overnight to make sure uh, it doesn't catch on fire. You know, the Sterling Opera House has, has had that situation. It's a safety thing. And the property owner or whoever is using the place has to pay uh, the fire department. So the owner of the property didn't feel that was necessary. So there was some back and forth negotiations happening between uh, the fire department, the mayor's office, and the owner. And from what I was told, the uh, fire department was allowed to go in there and practice uh, some training on the empty building, which would have cost them uh, an arm and a leg had they had to rent, like to go to like the New Haven Fire School or something like that. And I've been told that the owner of the property is going to make a donation to the fire department. So that was a way around this roadblock, because uh, obviously, you know, it's no secret that downtown Derby uh, looks pretty bad. Life Touch has been vacant for a long time now. It needs to come down. We've had buildings come down, but nothing replacing them. Although there is an approved plan on the record to build something at uh, the Beretta property there. There is a partnership that has approvals. They're waiting to go. Uh, last I heard, the city is also thinking about what to do, possibly purchasing the uh, scrapyard that is there. So it's always something in the redevelopment zone in downtown Derby, and that's not a knock against anybody. I think if you follow this issue for the past 11 years, it's complicated. It, there, there's no other way to describe it. If you followed it for 50 years, like many people in Derby have, I just open your window and scream. I don't know what else to tell you. But last thing I wanted to end on, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, I just want to point out that in the past six weeks or so in Derby, there have been a few questions that have come my way. One that I personally witnessed uh, involving Freedom of information, uh, open government, and the way some some various commissions and subcommittees in Derby uh, conduct themselves pertaining to FOI law. Sometimes governments and people, we all do, I know I always do, probably every day, we make mistakes, innocent mistakes. It happens to everybody. But I just want to point out that in June 2019, as part of a settlement agreement, over an FOI complaint filed by me, the Valley Indy, the city of Derby promised, in exchange for me dropping this complaint, they promised to hold a training session on open government. It was supposed to happen one year ago. 14 months later, that training has still not happened, or at the least, 
The public has not been notified of it. Just a reminder, peace and love, peace and love. See you next time. For hundreds of years we've brought you the news.